Welcome to Get Into It, produced by Ryco Theatricals. We deep dive into the big questions of our industry. Our two hosts take a look into the theater industry today through panel discussions and asking the necessary and sometimes unnecessary questions. Our show airs every Thursday at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern on our social media at Ryco Theatricals. Now please welcome our hosts, Dash Perry and Tyler Dobies. Hi everybody, my name is Tyler Dobies. And I'm back, I'm Dash Perry, and this is Get Into Get Into It. Get Into It. Dash, you're back. Oh my You're God, alive. It's, it's so good to be back. I nearly died. Not actually, I but I felt like I was dying. I had a, sure. for those at home who didn't know. <laughs> at home for our faithful followers, our, our fans. Our faithful followers, you know that I wasn't there last week. Um, I had a bad case of tonsillitis. And if you could hear me, it sounded like I was speaking out of literal, like, balls of cotton in my mouth. It was so bad. But you know what? Tyler handled it like a king, like the king he is. He took that show and he said, Lay that thing down, flip it, and reverse it. It's your <laughs> flipper, different man, man, number. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yes, props to Tyler for really getting into it. Thank you so much, Dash. I had so much fun. Yes, I had thank fun. You, Tyler. With Chris and Emmanuel. Um, do you know what I want to get into today as our first get into our first little dive? Yeah, I'm ready to get I into I want to get into climate change deniers. <laughs> um, just straight up Let's... climate change deniers. Um, and I want to start talk want to first talk about the uh, things that are happening in Texas, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. This is from The Guardian. Um, frustration is mounting in Texas where ferocious winter weather has left millions of people without mm. electricity and heat. Between two and three million Two and three million people in Texas still had no power last night. This is an article from today. Mm -hmm. After nearly two full days, leaving them with little support against the biting temperatures, right? Water pipes are bursting. You've probably seen videos of just like water everywhere, mm -hmm. uh, ceilings coming down. There was like a big thing about, um, what was it? The icicles coming from a ceiling fan. Oh my God. I saw that. So that's happening in Texas. So lots of prayers for Texas. And um, I'm sure that there are, funds and things that you can donate to. And I believe we have a certain someone who's gonna tell us about some of them a little later. Yes, yes Tyler, my family is currently in Texas and thank God um, they have places to go, but my mom's house did lose power. She's conveniently in California, but nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, my sisters went over to uh, my aunt's house and so everything's good, but it is a hard time out there. So the fact that we have these, um, climate change deniers these climate right. why can't we just be climate caught like conscious like i'm not asking right. for you to uproot your entire lives i know that would be hard but there is something that all of us can do all of us can take our part in it and if there's one thing that we're all guaranteed when we're born into this world is that we're going to have the earth beneath our feet, earth or, beneath our feet. or beneath our wheels or beneath, uh, beneath our wings just, we are born our wings we are born talents, on right. earth and we have all of these things th that are gifted to us gifted to us and gifted. we absolutely just like you know take them for granted and so like what why not at least if we give them back to anybody why not to mother earth why not to mother earth come on let's be climate conscious and not even six months ago we had this these fires in california right and i remember the pictures mm -hmm. um with just like the whole environment red 
because there was so much smoke. Um, so, and the other thing that I wanted to talk about was New York City just last year was had a whole new climate classification change. So now New York City, I, I, I forget which climate it was, but it now is in a subtropical climate. Like it's officially oh. within a subtropical climate because it was so, the weather is changing so much and the climate is changing so much. Right. And the thing that really irritates me the most about this is a lot of, I mean, not to say that all, but mm -hmm. a lot of them sometimes, a lot of the climate change people are sometimes they're Christian, right? And they end up being Christian and they have certain beliefs. The climate and change deniers, that's what the climate change. Yes, okay, that's what I mean. And I just, it frustrates me because I think, um, if you go back to the, to the scripture, should we, should we go back to the scripture? Is this, this is, Where's my Bible? we're getting into it. Where's the Bible? Open up your hymnals. Come on, um, we go to Genesis, right? Genesis 39. Read it. Uh, we talk about Jesus, Joseph's story in Genesis, considered one of the best examples of biblical stewardship, right? After Joseph was brought to Egypt, the Lord made him a prosperous man. And while Joseph was in the house of his Egyptian, uh, person, on, the Bible says, so Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him and made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. So as an example of being a steward, being a person who is going to oversee something, mm -hmm. right? The manager of a household, we are given this earth by God, like, you, you know, or the universe or however you want to describe it. And mm -hmm. we are now stewards of this creation, right? Responsibility mm -hmm. to look after it and take care of it. And I think a lot of times people, people get like confused about this. And they think, oh, no, God's got it in control. Yes, he does. But I think that if God, if we're supposed to be really stewards of this, I think God would allow us the mm -hmm. tools and the knowledge to then take care of the earth. Therefore, the science that we've, you know, built and mm -hmm. transformed, he would allow us to be able to do that so that we could be able to take care of the earth in a better way than we have been. Absolutely. And as we know from our religious talks previously, I'm not the most right. religious, but what I do know is that we've got some type of obligation to the earth that we're sitting on. Like right. we've, we've, we've got to do, we've got to do more. We've got, we've to, got do to do more. more. So more. get your, get your energy efficient light bulbs, start recycling. Mm -hmm. Also hold, hold like corporations accountable, vote for politicians who are going to hold corporations accountable. Let's see people working in the renewable energy resource. Like why not look toward right. the future rather than burn the past away? Literally take, you know, millions of years that have, like fossil fuels have been stuck into the earth. Instead of keep burning those, how about we look ahead and see what we can do, you know? Period, period, look ahead. Out with the old, in with the new. <laughs> As Sharpay Evans would say. Sharpay Evans. Um, <laughs> Our climate change expert, Sharpay Evans, has a very beautiful quote. Thank you so much, Sharpay. Absolutely. Shall we get into the question of the day? Thank you so much for allowing me to be fired up. Yeah, fired. Come on. Um, let's get into the Let's bring it up. The question of the day is... <gasps> what makes a good artist? Question mark. A bad artist? Question mark. And I say that because I read to my sister and she was like, that doesn't make any sense. What makes a good, <laughs> what makes a good artist a bad artist? That's not made, that doesn't make sense audio, but it makes sense grammatically. What makes a good artist, <laughs> question mark, a bad artist, question mark? What makes a good artist a bad artist? What, what makes a good artist a bad artist? Right. I was, I'm, I'm ready to get into it. I'm ready to get into it. So let's... A lot of times when we speak, we may get a little broad. How are we going to contextualize this? Do we have any like bat, like any confines, any um, context mm. that we can we can filter a good artist and a bad artist through? Well, I I mean, when I think about this question, I want to. I, I mean, I think I want to avoid mostly 
talking about like, hey, what? Well, what even is bad? What even is good? Mm-hmm. You know, I think we can get distracted by that. Um, yes. And I think there are confines we can talk about. I think there are certain strictures about like, like for example, we were talking about earlier, like in music, like if you sing flat, is that is that bad? Maybe I don't know. Um, probably, <laughs> I think some people might say that it is um, in that way. But um, in terms of like big, big societal things, it's so subjective. What mm-hmm. do you think? What do you absolutely? Think? Um, you know, I'm the type of girl who will argue around a point until I realize I'm saying the same thing. And so I'm glad <laughs> that you are bringing this up because I'm like, well, art, like art can hurt. So if it can hurt, does that mean it? It, does that make it bad? No. Or art can be, is art subjective? So if I, you know, Jackson Pollock something in a way that isn't, it's not surrealism, does that make it bad? Um, if it's accidental, does that make it bad? So I am, I'm happy to have more of a personal, we should talk personally about what makes a bad artist to us rather than, you know, necessarily just like the general bad artist, because we all know it's subjective. Right. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I'm not open to talk about it in that way. Because <laughs> <laughs> we do get into it. We love a nuance. We love a gray area. Yes, we do. Um, yes, we do. But I think I don't want to fall into like, well, was it really that bad? Mm-hmm. I just don't think that that's exciting and fun. Anyway, we can. We're gonna get more things. Oh, so yes. Our guests? We shall. We shall. We have some excellent guests. Um, my our first guest is my favorite travel buddy in the world. I have. <laughs> We have notes. Come on, notes. This paper, ooh, ASMR, ASMR. Anyway, I'd be going off the top um, of the dome. My favorite travel buddy. We've been to so many places together: Spain, England, oh. the Netherlands, France, United States of America. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, also, my favorite person to find Krispy Kreme donuts in London. Ooh, Emily Steelquist. <gasps> Oh, well, hello there. I'm so excited to get into it with you. Yes, get into it. <laughs> Welcome, Emily. It. So studious. Oh, Glad but be here. we have we have even more guests. This we have we, we today I am introducing uh, a southern sweetheart, but she does get a little salty. It's Kristen Kelso. <laughs> Let's get into it. Yeah. <laughs> a little shimmy. We love it. We love it. I haven't given a shimmy in a long time. Look at um, that. And what a beautiful shimmy it was. It was incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very yes. excited to be here. Yeah, Kristen. Tell us, tell us about yourself, Kristen. So, hello. Um, <laughs> I'm from... <laughs> Uh, I am a I'm, I am an artist, um, so wow. I'm very excited to be talking about this today because I think about this a lot within my own sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, I am an actor, director, and playwright. Uh, I'm also a translator. My mm. role or my my path has been very kind of a mixed bag. Um, so I started. I went to a lot of school. I kind of did. I kind of went really, really heavily into the school route. I've, um, I started, I'm from Savannah, Georgia, but I, I went to school in Texas. I went to school for acting and directing and playwriting. And then I, my senior year, I was assistant directing a show at Dallas Theater Center. And one of my acting professors was like, because I was also double majoring in Spanish, I'm bilingual, and I was very interested in making bilingual works. And my teacher was like, hey, have you ever considered translating plays for money? And I was like, no. 
but I will. So I then went into uh, translation studies in grad school and have sort of kind of been in that realm. And recently I, I just got another master's at um, NYU in performance studies. And, and that's actually where I met Tyler. Um, and we were in, I think I remember you saying that you said this a lot, but we were in Anna DeVue Smith's class together. I say this, I literally say this every week. It's like, it's almost embarrassing. I say that. But anyway, what can I say? Anna DeVue Smith's class together? That's incredible. It was an amazing, incredible experience. Um, but I've recently, my work has really been a lot about um, kind of using like a, tra- a literary translation methodology to, to think about performance. And I'm thinking about um, working a lot with the grieving process and death and mourning. And I'm kind of looking at that as a translation process that can lead us to a better understanding about our bodies. Um, because I really think that those two processes are similar, especially in the way that we think about memory and trauma and thinking through the ways that translation enacts itself on the body and mm. thinking about the ways that translation and the lack of it also enacts itself in society and where you see that. So I'm sort of working with a lot of familial archives and family stuff. Um, and that's that's kind of where I'm at. Wow, lovely, lovely death talk. Right, so much. <laughs> it's, very, it's very, oh, and also, um, Texas, speaking of Texas, I wanted to do right. a little shout out to my babies in Texas. I spent 10 years there. It's another home of mine. Um, places that are accepting donations now include Austin Mutual Aid, um, Mutual Aid Absolutely. Houston, Feed the People Dallas, Para Mi Gente, which is a San Antonio based mutual aid group, um, Austin Disaster Relief Network, uh, Lucha Dadas, which is um, a Dallas-based BIPOC organization, uh, Trinity Mutual Aid, and then um, Casa Marianela, which is in Austin. So those are some places that are actually actively on the ground, feeding people, providing warming stations, and they are also accepting donations. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Kristen. And you know, talking about death, like let's get into the living, let's get into keeping people alive. Emily, what is up with you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, hello, everyone. Um, Yeah, my name is Emily. I use she, her pronouns. And I grew up in Blaine, Washington, which is a little town up on the border with Canada. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, at least in this circle, I think I'm your uh, non-artist, question mark, uh, amongst the four of us. That's true. or at least non-traditional artist in the way that people normally think about it. So I'm super excited to talk about that because I do feel that art still influences my life in a lot of ways and has since I was very young. Um, But who am I? I am a person who grew up in this small town. I met Tyler at college in Tacoma, Washington. um, We had the chance to study abroad and travel together. and just learn so much about all the things that we weren't <laughs> at the time, <laughs> which was just um, just such a delight. Um, since then, I, and actually in large part because of the material we were studying in that program, um, I got distracted from my original uh, intended life course, which was medicine. Ooh. And I learned a lot more um, from the years 2014 through, I guess, 2020 um, about other ways, other other methods of healing, other ways of thinking about healing, and um, did some work internationally. Did some work in Seattle, 
worked with elders with um, memory loss, worked with LGBTQ elders, mm -hmm. did a lot of um, just kind of looking into the way that people are and the way that people rely on each other and society mm -hmm. for the things that they need um, and the ways that they're failed by those things. Mm -hmm. um, and through the course of that process, I was like, oh shit, I wanna go back to medicine. Um, right. And just kind of got rocked by this realization that this thing I had walked away from was walking back towards me and just felt so inevitable. So the long story short of all that is now I'm in medical school. Um, I'm living in Portland, Oregon. I moved here in August. Moving during a pandemic sucks. Uh, in oh, case anybody was wondering. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I'm doing the thing that I want to do. And I think I'm, I'm just excited to talk about um, and think with you all about the ways that healing can be art and the ways that art influences healing in the human mind, because there's lots of great research around that that I you know, can't whip out of my back pocket at <laughs> short notice, but we can talk about it and it'll be great. Um, and also talk about uh, one of the one of my kind of clinical focuses, things that I want to um, delve more into in my education is the influence of um, weight stigma and fat phobia on the mm. care that patients receive in emergency settings, um, mm. and kind of like the another like tying it back into art, the ways that the fat body is. Um, set up to fail in an artistic right. setting and the ways that we can break through those things. Um, Absolutely, let's get into yeah. it. Let's get into it. And then the last thing that I just wanted to do real quick, um, thinking about climate change and all the horrendous things that are happening in our country right, right now, and just recognize that this in large part is due to the settler colonialist complex and the removal of indigenous stewards from the land that they originally um, held. And so I want to, and also with that, recognize the indigenous land that we all sit on. It's stolen while we're recording this mm -hmm. podcast. So that was just something that came to mind. But. Thank you so much, Emily. That was, that's great. And yeah. Kristen, it's so good to hear. I love to hear people talk about their work. Come on. Because um, you're the authority and on your own life. And even though, I mean, even though we sometimes think that we don't, we're not. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, um, I'm sorry, what am I? <laughs> Who's driving this crazy train? I don't know. <laughs> but that's so it's so good to hear um both of both of the things that you're doing. And I obviously admire both of your work and you as people. Yeah, so I'm, I'm so happy to, that you're here. I'm about to get all up in admiring it too. <laughs> Let's bring up the question of the day again. Again. Mm -hmm. What makes a good artist? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> a bad artist. Question mark. <laughs> um, I, 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 I read this Go question ahead. that was like Hamlet. Hmm. Hamlet. To right. be or not or to not be. To what be. makes a good artist? <laughs> a bad artist. <laughs> Period. What are you? Uh, any initial thoughts? Any initial thoughts for this, Kristen? I seems. I sound like you had something. Um, honestly, to make that bad Hamlet joke, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that y'all mentioned, um, you know, kind of not sitting too much in the theoretical framework of like mm -hmm. good and bad, mm -hmm. because I mean, I'm I'm always thinking in in fifteen different modes of mm -hmm. of you know language or being or expression. 
Um, and that like, what is one, you know, what does one word really mean as a translator? I'm like, right. <laughs> right. let's figure it out, <laughs> you know, cause, mm-hmm. um, you know, just putting pressure on those, on, on those terms. But I, I think that, I think it's all about really like what you, what you do with it as, I mean, so I, I guess the, the first thoughts I have are thinking through and, uh, and this is a discourse that has been definitely talked about, especially within the past decade of separating the art from the artist <laughs> mm-hmm. and how and do and can you and when and why. <laughs> Those also, <laughs> you know, like I feel like every single um, situation is so subjective and it's very difficult for each individual person because I, I really struggle with that as well. And then thinking through, um, what James Baldwin says about artists, which is, you know, a to- I, I know, I, I know y'all talked about James Baldwin before. <laughs> He's, yes, about, you know, the artist um, has such a responsibility to society and to humanity um, to, you know, illuminate the darkness and to kind of blaze through the trail and, and, and also to just, to just kind of be there because like only the artist is the only person that can really understand what it's like to live in this world. Right. And then Toni Morrison, speaks on you know doing things with love and mm-hmm. um i was talking to my friend today actually it's her birthday uh, today. It, oh my gosh it is mm-hmm. happy, oh. birthday, tony. Happy, happy birthday tony happy birthday tony. Happy birthday, tony. Happy birthday, tony. our lady i almost thought i almost thought you meant kristen's friend i was like okay <laughs> <laughs> how would you know um but yes no, I was talking to my, my my friend today, and 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 she she actually was telling me that they were having a conversation. She's getting her PhD at UT Austin, and they were having a conversation about this recently as well. And brought mm-hmm. up James Baldwin and Toni Morrison doing things with love, and how I was reading an article earlier about what she said about you kind of have to push through the the dark times and don't get despair. Like that's when you actually have to work harder. Um, and then there's the argument that art is inherently political, which does tie back into the societal and social responsibility of it all. So like, what are you saying with it? Um, Are you also a politician? There is that element of like bureaucracy Mm -hmm. as an artist. Um, And so I think, so I think all of those kind of have like a to what end. I I remember when I was graduating from undergrad and um, I had no idea what the, what the fuck I was doing. And, (laughs) and I was really just trying to lean into that because I liked so many things and I didn't really know how to label myself or really market myself or brand myself as anything. And I definitely, Mm -hmm. it was kind of like a a refusal to do that. And I thought, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to have anything figured out until I'm in my thirties. I'm almost there. (laughs) And I'm still like, um, (laughs) what? (laughs) but I was also thinking like, okay, I know that my art has to have that to what end. Mm -hmm. I know that the things that I make have to be for something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that thing is still very, very fluctuating. And I think as long as like artists or creators keep asking that question, um, that is good. Mm-hmm. I think those are good questions to ask. So maybe mm-hmm. it's about being a good artist. It's just continually asking, asking the good questions. Asking questions. That I can get behind. I know for me personally, that James Baldwin quote, exactly. Um, illuminating that illuminating the darkness and mm-hmm. paving those roads because the artist kind of takes it upon themselves because everything as human beings are very social we are social that's what we do mm-hmm. the artist takes it upon themselves to do the work unlike the plumber for others i mean not just for others they do the work 
and illuminating through themselves to show others so that they don't have to. So it's kind of it's kind of very beautiful to see the artist be like, okay, nobody was probably asking for this, but you know what? I sat alone in order to create this thing and mm -hmm. here is it for you. And then I think about a bad artist. And like you said, I mean, like it's kind of that writing that political line, how do I separate the artists from the art? And I think about Azalea Banks. I love mm. her music. I love what it makes right. me feel, which is a part of the art. Like the response that I get from it is gonna happen whether I see her or see what she does. But then when I think about the future of her, everything that she says that kind of hurts me as a person makes listening to her art less enjoyable. So I'm like, then where do we get to what end? Like, where do we get at the end of the day where I'm like, okay, mm. well, I love this art, but at the same time, I look at this artist and what you're illuminating is like, do I want to see that? Like, do I want to see what mm. now, now you're start, like what you're prescribing or what you're showing to us when I know when I know who you are, or at least when you're presenting mm -hmm. to me this aspect, like how can I, like why, why, why do I follow that light when there's so mm -hmm. many other artists? And I think, I, I, yeah, I totally agree with you, Dash, and it's like, and how, if we are to separate it, how am I to know where the line is for you as, as a person, Azalea, mm -hmm. right? Like if, if, yeah. you're singing, if you're singing whatever song you're singing, how do I not know that that's coming from this place of homophobia, this place of, you know, how do I, how am I supposed to know that? I, I can't read your brain. I, I can't, mm -hmm. I can't be involved in that. Um, I also think one of my favorite actors was Kevin Spacey. <laughs> um, yeah. He was such a good yeah. actor, but there's just, there's just yeah. been some things that he's done that's just not acceptable. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So it makes me not want to consume his art. And right. I would yeah. think the similar situation for you, Dash doesn't want to make you necessarily consume right. more of I, I don't get excited art. i don't get excited about the prospect of what the art like what's going to be created when i know the vessel that it's coming out of like let's mm -hmm. take um propaganda like um nazi propaganda i mean somebody oh, yeah. created that absolutely mm -hmm. and it's not to say that it's not provoking and like getting a reaction from somebody but is that art if that art isn't hurting someone in a way like okay it made me feel something but it's hurting someone as in like phys like it's physically right. going to Causing hurt someone is, yeah. is that a good artist? Like, can we really label that person a good artist? I mean, then you're thinking like, okay, well, did you get the desired effect? This is getting dark, right. getting death and mourning, getting into it. Like, right. did, did, did was it effective? I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not like that. And, and in that case, like, well, you were effective in what and what in what you put out then. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's good. I think it's not a, not at all. No. Shit. Right. And I want to punch <laughs> no. them all. I'll tell you that right now. Well, not, that do it calls, again. Mm -hmm. the question of what is the difference between a bad artist and an evil artist? That's oh, yeah. what that's oh. yes. honestly. Mm -hmm. It's like using using your art to pummel thing, you know, to pummel people to, mm -hmm. you know, create violence. That's less. That's less towards the question that we're posing for this episode, and more towards mm -hmm. the good and evil use of art, which can right. certainly be used to influence people in really negative ways. What was? Uh, yeah, Emily, I'm so glad you, you're. Um, what was? What was your like first initial reaction to this question? Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So I have a I have a question for all of you. You uh, oh, love it. Please. Self self proclaimed artist, and I. But I want to tell a short story first. So I'm gonna. Yeah. Please do. Um, please. Big mug. <laughs> um, put a put a pin in the thought of what um, 
what to all of you is your thinking about yourself as an artist in terms of your livelihood? Because I, my understanding is that that is part of what all of you do, that your art becomes something that you produce. It's part of your productivity. It's part of your um, identity. Right. I don't want you to, I just wanted you to start kind of percolating around like what that looks like for you. Because um, part of the work that I was doing at Seattle Parks and Recreation was um, art programming for these uh, elders with memory loss, folks with dementia, different types of dementia, um, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, what have you. Um, and one of the things that we did was we used a, um, it was just this incredible program that involved a walk through the Seattle Japanese garden um, that lasted maybe 20, 30 minutes and could be done for people with varying levels of mobility. Um, and then we would come into um, a room and do wet on wet watercolor painting together with the idea that we're painting the things that we saw. So this program was intended as, it was multi-fold all things that it was intended to do. It was intended to bring together folks with memory loss and their partners to create intentional community. It was meant mm. to be accessible for people at any stage of memory loss that they had. It gave them the opportunity to practice recall some recalling something that they had seen from the garden and then trying to paint it, which is just good for all of our brains in general. And then it provided this opportunity for just artistic connections to be made generally. And I think one of the most striking stories there was um, a man who was fairly advanced in his memory loss, who I think had been a lawyer in his life, you know, very sort of kind of the opposite of artist almost, mm -hmm. um, if you want to think in conventional terms. Um, and with the progression of his illness, he had become a prolific abstract painter with some of the oh, most mm. intense, um, I mean, it was really just astonishing the kind of things that he could paint in the way that he, um, it, I don't completely know how to describe it um, mm -hmm. without showing you his work, which obviously I couldn't do without his permission, but if I could, I would show you because it was just so intense. And sometimes it was related to the Japanese garden and sometimes it had nothing to do with the Japanese garden program at all. Mm -hmm. um, and yet because of this illness that in many ways is seen as sort of a blight um, mm. on society, you know, this horrible kind of life ending, you're not gonna have your memories, you're not gonna know yourself. He mm. was able to um, discover himself as an artist and the way that that kind of peeled back all the layers of who he was, especially socialized as a man, the way that men are mm -hmm. often um, removed from the artistic sphere based on pressures applied sure. to them. I mean, I don't have to tell you all about that. But, mm -hmm. um, I just, I'm, I'm thinking to myself about like, what makes a good artist and a bad artist in terms of, these are people who connect to art as a form of life. Like this is a, they all would talk about how beautiful this program was and how much it changed their perspective and how much they look forward to it every week. And not all of their art was good, obviously. Like many of them had not been, had not grown up as artists, but because of the illness, they were able to remove their, sense of self enough, like their perceived sense of self to mm -hmm. become the artist. So the question that I'm sort of trying to get at here and feel free to take this in whatever direction you feel like speaks to you, mm -hmm. um, is what parts of your identity are preventing you from being a good artist? And what do you, um, <laughs> what are you, oh. this is like getting really deep, like not no, meant please. to be a therapy session, but you know, like what, what are the things about your identity that block that? and that 
prevent you from doing the art that you would do, which I guess kind of ties back to what you all are talking about, how art is politics. There are many political things involved mm -hmm. in the ways that we put our art in the world. So that's, I think that's my question, Carrie. Yeah, what a great question. That kind of hits me like right here. The first thing I immediately thought when you're saying like, what prevents you from being, let, let's phrase it as what's, pre what's preventing me from being a good artist. And I would say one of the biggest things is the commodification of art. When I think about the act of like living as an artist, like how, what are ways that I can transfer my skills as an artist and what I do to be able to make money so that I'm not working a job that I don't love, but I'm able to be an artist in whatever aspect I'm in. But when I think about what's keeping me from being a great artist is the fact that some people don't appreciate art for just art, like from what I, mm. for the light that I'm illuminating. So if I bring you a piece that is this, it's, I only get paid if someone buys into it, you know what I mean? So, or if I sell it, which for me, for what I've seen and from how I feel, sometimes it takes pieces you have to acknowledge your audience in a different way when you have to sell your art versus letting your art sell itself sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so especially like just taking an actor, it's like sometimes I'm like, okay, well, it's it's all dependent on somebody else. It's all dependent on the casting director or the director or then the producer, the network execs, the network in general. But if I just wanted to act, I would be able to do that in any place in the world in community theater and being able to live and do exactly what I wanted. But I feel like whenever I have to think about how am I going to succeed and the idea of success being based off of me making money stops me from producing the work that is actually the most healing to me which is why mm. i do it for me and to other people that i do it for and it's really the commodification of it that makes me and not to say it's a bad thing because i mean we've seen obviously money can change lives but mm -hmm. and we've seen it done in a way that is absolutely incredible but when i think about selling it that's the most harmful part to me as an artist not just thinking about mm -hmm. selling it but the fact that it can't, because it's so subjective, it's so subjective that like, if I'm thinking about who am I selling it to? Who am I gonna sell it to? Who's gonna buy it? And is that stopping my my natural innate artistry? Am I changing it for someone else? Like, is it really me or is it me for someone else if I need to sell it? Because we sell mm -hmm. like good um, supply and demand. We sell things that people need and right. people buy art because ultimately they saw something in it that they needed rather than just buying art in general, you know, like just paying into art. Like we pay into so many things like, you know, denying climate and like, there's so many things that we natural taxes. Like we, we buy into so many pots of things, but like, and we do buy into art as well. But I feel like it's very, like, it's much harder. It's much harder as an artist, but, but anyway, of course, <laughs> that's my podium. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Dash. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like we need, uh, we were talking earlier, Dash and I, we were talking about this, the relationship of art and artist, uh, no, not art and artist, artist and audience mm -hmm. and how mm -hmm. to make any kind of living you need, like you're, it's really required to mm -hmm. have some sort of audience and you're really reliant on them. Um, and that, that can be a difficult thing to mm -hmm. cultivate, even if, even if you feel like, because there's so many, there's, there's so many people out here doing art. Um, mm -hmm. We're like a blip. 
<laughs> we're one video out of millions, billions of videos people could be watching right now, especially this this stream even, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that, that can be really intimidating. I think mm -hmm. for me, I mean, the reason I got into art was was a self was self expression, um, mm -hmm. and uh, being able to uh, be myself. I was I was so I was such a quiet. I was a quiet kid. I didn't like talk that much. I was very shy. Mm -hmm. um, believe it or not, <laughs> um, I couldn't. I really I was I was kind of petrified. I couldn't really talk. I was so scared of what people were thinking and what people would want and music and and eventually like, theater allowed me the space. Um, to use the voice that I always had, um, but that's like that's like the scariest the scariest thing, um, being that vulnerable space. And I think that that is that's a big part of uh, a hurdle that I sometimes I sometimes face a lot of the times is like, okay, if if you don't if Tyler doesn't even think that sometimes what he says is worth it, what are other people going to be thinking? You know what I mean? And that's not just, that's that take that's taken a lot of a lot of years of like reflection and thinking and and um reading and even therapy to just kind of unpack that and of course that connects with all these other these other systems and matrix of oppression that we have in our society mm -hmm. right racism mm -hmm. and homophobia and um gender norms and all all, all these things ableism mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff mm -hmm. um that teaches me and has taught me in some ways that some things that some things that you don't you say because you have a brown body because you don't like the opposite gender mm -hmm. is not worth it like you, you, what you think is not is not important and that is it's hard to that's a big part of what i of 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 of, of unlearning that i've had okay. to kind of come up mm -hmm. and and go through and that i think mm -hmm. that's part of the biggest thing that if i had to pick something it's just, and that was, there's no fault. I had no fault. We have no fault in that. I hadn't, we didn't ask for that. I didn't ask mm -hmm. <laughs> for any of that to happen, but I, I had to uh, reconcile and deal with that. Sure. And it, you mm -hmm. have to do that grieving in order to be able to produce. Right. Mm -hmm. Producing. Yeah. <laughs> What about you, Kristen? <laughs> you said grieving, and I was like, yes, I'm in there. <laughs> now say it in Spanish. <laughs> like, grieving is such a layered process. So I'm I'm thinking of what what you said of like of like the layers and, and, and the things that prevent us from being a good artist. So I'm gonna try to take this slow because my mind is like so I I'm kind of I'm resonating with both of what Tyler and Dash said, thinking about something I've been trying to think about in the effort of peeling back the layers to kind of maybe go back to the root. Mm. Like, cause we get so caught up in everything and I get so caught up in everything. And I'm like, what, why did I start this in the first place? Where did I go in the first place? Um, I started doing, theater because like again it, yes it, it was an, another mode of expression but I I, um, I started doing theater because of Carol Burnett um, and she's like my idol and, and I love comedy and I love being funny and I got to create these characters that I couldn't um, do you know be in everyday life and so it was very much uh, you know it was, it, it was very much a mode of healing 
and I loved it. And then, and then you go to school. Hmm. And then you go to school. And then you're met with, and they tell you this, you're met with a bunch of people who love it as much as you do, but who are also either the star of their whatever program, town, city, family yeah. life, <laughs> church, <laughs> choir, mm-hmm. speech team, show whatever, choir, show choir, exactly. Team. Exactly. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you start, and, and then, you know, there was the culture of like, breaking you down to build you back up, which has recently come out. There's an article recently about like how this, that whole thing is bullshit. Um, you don't need to break kids down to build them back up. Um, and I, I, I went to school. <laughs> right? <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> uh, anyway. uh, and then, and, and, and then you start becoming and, and then you start meshing and you can create beautiful relationships, but then you also, you know, there's, there's the competition and you, and you start and they start prepping you for like what the real world is like, which is like doggy dog. And then, you know, you only look out for number one and then you start questioning, okay, what am I doing? What is my, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Like, am I, are the things that I'm saying worthy of being said? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that really gets you at your core. And then all of a sudden, like everyone's trying to compete to be the funniest in the room or the loudest in the room, or just even, you know, fucking get into the room. And, and then you go to the real world. And then by that time you're like, you maybe you're built back up, but then you're still left with this question. Like I was thinking about that was like, what am I, what, what the fuck am I doing? What am I doing this for? Mm-hmm. And and so there's so much that you buy into with like the elitism of thinking that like, oh my God, I can only go to these programs to be whatever, which I mean, and not that those programs are bad, but, but that's not the case. Like that's, I, I bought into it, right? Like that, that, that's not the case. They, mm-hmm. And I'll, also I struggle with giving institutions too much power and struggle with giving institutions too much say over the kind of art that I make and the kind of art that is worthy. Right. Um, but they actually need us way more than we need them. Um, and period. <laughs> period. And oh, what was I going to say? And so then it, I think it's just, it's, it's really about, and I guess maybe I can just speak for me personally, peeling back all of these layers of just crippling, crippling, and it's tired, it's old and tired, but it's still really hard to get over of that doubt and of that feeling of unworthiness and mm-hmm. of that feeling, because you can be the most confident motherfucker in the room. You can seem like you have your shit together all right. the time. I don't care where are you are in your career, you still ask these questions of yourself. And that I think is what also is a big um, is a big obstacle in artists feeling like feeling even like a good artist, feeling even like, oh, you know, wh- who's gonna listen? Right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm not saying anything good enough or smart enough or worthy enough or anything like that. Um, and and maybe being a good artist is just keeping going. Is Maybe. what Toni Morrison said, pushing mm-hmm. through that shit and just like mm-hmm. feeling, you know, cause you can feel depressed about the, you know, white supremacist fucking state of our country. You can feel depressed about the climate change. You can feel depressed about the, about the mass, about just the massive amounts of loss that we've suffered this, yeah. this year. 
Um, but you know, she was like, keep going. And then you can feel really depressed because it's like, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. I'm not enough of an artist. And I know that that's been happening a lot this year. Mm-hmm. But I've also tried to remind myself that a pandemic is not a residency. <laughs> not a residency. <laughs> Tyler and I, Tyler and I, kind of talked about that, which we kind of all bought into. At least uh, I'll speak for me personally. At the beginning of it, it was like, you know, and this was at the beginning, so it's crazy that I bought. It. Right. So this is like, well, in the time the pandemic ends, what are you going to have to show for it? It's like right. I exactly. I got to the end of the pandemic. <laughs> exactly. I hope, I hope that die. is what I have to show for exactly. it. Exactly. And like this idea of wasted time for the artist, which it uh, for me, I had this question with Tyler. It's like, does does um quantity or does I mean. frequency mm-hmm. constitute a good artist? Like if I'm Rihanna and I put out bangers five years ago, and I am I any less of Rihanna when I am bringing like creating a clothing line and a makeup line? Makeup am line. I any less of my artist? No, girl, you're Rihanna. Exactly. <laughs> oh, you're Rihanna. Exactly. Also, Rihanna, if you're listening, please give us an album. Please give me a call. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, give me a call. Can I have please? Oh, that and sponsor me, us. We will, feature, we will feature all of your products on the show. So. I will fe- yeah, I will feature Rihanna product every episode if, <laughs> if she wanted me to. Um, um, I also wanted to speak to something Something Dash said. Um, uh, they said... Just just talking about buying into it and 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 selling and, and selling art. I was I was mm-hmm. a part of, I, I was a part of a theater company. Um, uh, helped create it. I won't say the name just in case they are listening. And I don't know if they're listening. They know I'm talking about them. Um, <laughs> uh, and it was really really beautiful for for a time. We were really doing a lot of cool underground innovative work in Dallas, and then. Well, it's fine. And then, <laughs> but then it really became about, like, a, a, about a, really about commodifying it and, and about the money and about mm. trying to just make money off of it. And the thing that I, I spoke up about and tried to, I was like, nobody, I was like, nobody who is in this company right now, this collective right now, is in it for the money. We're just in it to actually create a space for ourselves to create this work that we can share. We're not. I don't want, I don't give a shit if I get 20 bucks to do this show at this bar right now. I just right. want to make sure that we're all being true to our authentic selves. And, and, and there was like a marriage of that where we were able to get paid a little bit and do that. But then it was really like, it took like this huge corporate turn mm-hmm. and that was devastating. It was really devastating to the art. It was devastating to relationships. It was devastating to um, collaboration. And I think that, I think it was re. I mean, it it was really, really tragic, and I think that that was something that was just thinking about 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 buying into that and about that hustle or about that way that the art can turn bad mm-hmm. and then create then bad artists mm-hmm. because I do not think we were being good artists. Mm-hmm. Like I do, I do not. I yeah, and and I was and I was thinking like that there was a foundational um, misfire, right? In, Some in type of breach. Happening. Exactly. Yeah from the ground up. So, um, so Emily, thank you for talking and for bringing this question and like <laughs> thinking about the layers of the things. Cause there are just so, so many, so, so many, many. Um, so many. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that if I had to, per, per my undergraduate training, if I had to come up with a thesis <laughs> based on the answers that y'all have given, I think it's exactly what you're talking about, Kristen, where, um, 
the artist is the good artist is the one who you know sees dash as you talked about the commodification or sees tyler the way that your own fear or identity inhibited you or sees Kristen the way that you talked about the other people in the room and all this like identity crisis stuff that happens when you become the small fish in the big pond mm -hmm. it's the one who has who works through it who doesn't get derailed by those things or mm -hmm. you know it's it's also okay to get derailed by things and come back to them later you know there's no, right. there's no shame and failing and i think what mm -hmm. i like about that definition of the good artist is that it's um sufficiently specific for uh career artists such as yourselves and also can be broadened to really anyone who's doing any type of artistic pursuit that mm -hmm. any type of art involves some sort of um block i think there's something that you have to mm -hmm. overcome in order to do really anything artistic whether it's you know music or performance mm -hmm. or writing or any any type of creation there are so many ways that um the modern state essentially capitalism or like the ways that um we're cultured to be hard on ourselves you always are going to be having to put that aside in order to mm -hmm. create something and it doesn't matter what you create as long as you do the work of getting through that and that's something we should all bring up in therapy next week is what, <laughs> yes. 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 how are we overcoming all of these things that have um stripped us of our humanity in so many ways mm. and art mm. is the, the overcoming of that and i think it's returning to that humanity and also yes. We know that doing art is literally good for your brain and especially doing art in community um, mm -hmm. saves lives. And it's literally harm reduction, suicide prevention. It helps people as they age. That social connection is, um, there's really substantial evidence to show that if people are connected as they age, they will live longer, so. You heard it here first. That's art is <laughs> really great to know. Art is keeping yeah. the body good. Keep it up, y'all. <laughs> you beautiful the body good. people. <laughs> Art, it does the body good. Yes, it does. <laughs> can I just want to get like a bottle of like art? I don't know. Can I have some mm -hmm. art lotion? That is a bad joke. God, I'm just so full of great no. bad jokes. This is great. <laughs> I love That's it. That's why we love you. That's um, why we love you. And I think that like, um, and then just, just cut me off from talking too much, but I think that, um, <laughs> identity just thinking about what also coming back to james baldwin and 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 in in his his um <laughs> thinking what isolation is i think there's a difference because he's talking about it in this in the sense of um of identity of like being alone in your identity um mm -hmm. and i think that's that's that that's being secure um in that instead of being like the suffering artist which you don't have to be mm -hmm. like have to be. you don't have to be like mm -hmm. we all suffer everyone's suffering is very particular to their own experience but you don't have to be this the 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 suffering artist to make good art um but i think that that view of isolation because some of the most beautiful art that i've ever seen i, I think has been made by by artists in a few instances who are so i i look meet them or watch them and i'm like oh my god there's just this oneness about you Mm -hmm. where it's like you are pushing through and using all of these experiences that were kind of derailing and like, you know, meeting all of the stars from the other small towns across rural Texas. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, but using those things to, to connect and to build and then to just kind of, um, I recently listened to um, Angel Kyoto Williams book, uh, The Way of Tenderness. 
mm-hmm. which is, oh, sorry. Yes. No, no, no. Sorry. No, Earthland Manuel's book, um, The Way of Tenderness. I was reading about Angel Kid Williams the other day. They do similar. And, um, and it's, and it's really, it's, it's so beautiful. It's, a, it's, um, about Buddhist teaching and, 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 and uh, anti-racism and, and mainly a white Buddhist space. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a beautiful book, but it's, it's really, it was, oh God, it was a three hour therapy session. It was gorgeous. Um, <laughs> but I think that that oneness within oneself, you can really find that way of tenderness to be with others and then being with yourself. And I think that's also produces really beautiful art. Amazing. Ooh, yes, we were getting into it. But now, like I said, I told you guys earlier that oh, yes. we are gonna have we're gonna have a cool down. The cool down. But you know, as it wouldn't be getting to it unless we, you know, had some type of twist. Twist. For our cool down, let's talk about how we like to toast it up. Like we're all in cold places right now. How do you like to stay warm? Like, do you do you turn your heater on? Do you go to the fire? What are you guys getting into to stay nice and cozy during these frigid, frigid um, times? times? I can show you if you want. Ooh, yes, we would we love to. Give me a second. I'm gonna get it. <laughs> Emily, you can go first. But I'm Emily, gonna get <laughs> Yes, show us, show us. Show us what you're getting. Emily, how do you um how do you get how do you get warm? Um mine I feel like I can't compare to having a show and tell, but <laughs> my my way to stay warm, especially through this icy weekend in Portland, is to fall in love. <gasps> oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. That what is are so you sweet. About? That's so much better than a show and tell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, literally nothing can be better than that. But anyway, oh, it's heady, and you're just like spinning, and it's the only thing you can think about. And it doesn't, yeah, that warmness is just—it's like nothing else. I'm dead. Oh gosh, I'm, I'm dead. really shook. <laughs> I'm so okay. Me too. I literally only have this knockoff snuggie. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. It's so pretty. It is. This is from my grandmother. Oh. Oh. It's so precious. For our listeners, we have Kristen in a baby pink Mm -hmm. fleece Mm -hmm. snuggie. It's um, it's oversized. Everything. It's beautiful. She's keeping warm. That is the warmest thing you've ever seen. Yeah, I'm not as warm as Emily. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want, I want to hear more about that. <laughs> How do you get warm, Dash? Well, you know, I'm I'm a South Florida boy, and but I'm spending it in you know frigid Chicago. Which sometimes I'm like, I walk outside. Like today, it was 24, and I was like, I'm like I told y'all, I'm out in my bikini. Like it was warm. It wasn't that warm. But usually, I had the I had a heater literally sitting right in front of me as I was in the basement, the coldest part of the house, with a blanket on me, with the space heater sitting right here. And someone came down there like, you're supposed to keep it three feet away from soft goods. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm literally like, the the space heater's right here. And I'm like, sitting right next to it, trying to keep warm. See you in hell. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I said, I'll burn, I'll burn. I'll burn. I'll burn. What about you, Tyler? Warmth for me. Yeah. I am a hmm. I am a put on an extra layer or two type mm. of person. Mm-hmm. I am a werewolf socks type of person. Mm. Uh, get some hot chocolate. Get Ooh. a fleece blanket. 
all about all about the layers. And if I if I was still living in Colorado, I would probably put make a fire in the fireplace. Fires. Like a real fire. Warm. I mean I maybe not me. <laughs> maybe my <laughs> father would make a fire. I would ask politely. Um, but let's send let's send these warm thoughts over to our loved ones and the people out mm -hmm. in texas because they need it let's they do send some warm vibrations over that way mm -hmm. they do need it and our money they do yes and our money <laughs> and our money <laughs> and our resources and yeah, resources. all of this well kristen all right emily mm -hmm. thank you so fucking much for being here and sharing your thoughts yes um so meeting you we like to uh queen wave our guests off oh, of course so Beautiful. thank you so much for being here today take care bye bye y'all oh my wow. gosh that was that was it felt healing you know it felt so healing i'm gonna get into something real quick before we end the show you guys okay. The pandemic, the, the panorama is tough. Panorama is so tough. The panoma is tough. It is not easy. And I felt myself, you know, this was like within these last two weeks, this was the hardest it's been emotionally and like mentally for me to like do anything, really. Mm -hmm. Like I was sick last week for the podcast, but like this really helped to illuminate something in me that was like, well, also perspective, it's a huge thing. There are people literally freezing right now in Texas, but like getting on here and talking helped. It helped, it helped so much. So, so I, happy. I loved doing that. And like, I usually am like, oh my God, I laughed, I cried. But like, for real, this is making me feel something. Like I'm feeling, I've been so, I've had this lack of feeling or of creating and everything so long. Um, mm that this was needed it was very much needed and i'm glad that i have this outlet to come and hear what people have to say and talk about how i'm feeling i'm so happy that you're back and i'm so happy that you're here to share um because i mean i guess i could do it without you but i don't want to oh my god <laughs> please don't right <gasps> don't, don't <start> <laughs> all right we have um we'll be right back though yes Right after these words. Watch, wait until tomorrow starts tonight. It starts tonight. If you haven't submitted your video for the Broadway uh, world record, please, please submit it. Um, once again, as always, it's www.hdbcasting.com slash Broadway world record, or you can go to brico.org slash Broadway world record. We will come back home. We will come back home. We will come back home again. And with that, my name 
is Tyler Dobies. And I'm Dash Perry. You can watch us here, get into it every Thursday at 7 p.m. Yes, and you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, or Periscope. Come and like get into it. Come and get into it with us. Come and get into it. We have a great time. I always learn something. Always. If you want to learn something, come get into it. Come get into it. All right. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Get Into It, a weekly podcast from the Ryko live streaming series produced by Ryko Theatricals. Everything you heard was recorded live on our social media at Ryko Theatricals. You can support this podcast by sharing us on social media, writing a great review, or donating at www.ryko.org support. Thanks for listening.